Amen. Hey, this morning we are going to be in the book of Galatians. If you want to begin to make your way there, Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 through 5 this morning. Galatians 6, 2 through 5. If you don't have a Bible, don't have the app on your phone, you can find a copy of God's Word in the back of the pew in front of you. And we love that to be a gift from us to you. If you're unfamiliar with how to use that, you can find a table of contents at the front of the Bible. That's going to let you know how to locate the book of Galatians. And then as we're making our way through today, there are going to be a couple of satellite passages, just passages not in that that we go to. And you can refer back to that table of contents. The large numbers are chapters and the small numbers are verses. Let me, let me read this passage for us and then we will journey through. The Apostle Paul writes... And he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work then, his, then let his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let me pray for us once more. Father God, we thank you that you give us in this picture from Paul something so immediately applicable to every local body, to each of us in our own lives. Both the picture of what it looks like to have individual responsibility and the picture of what it looks like to have communal involvement. So God, this morning, I pray that you would burden our hearts, that you would help us to consider who around us is in need, that we are able to move in an effort to alleviate their burden. And God, I pray that as, as you are laying that upon our hearts, as you are calling us to move in those directions, that you would also be moving in our hearts to let us know what areas of our lives have we been unwilling to carry our own loads, to exercise personal responsibility? Lord, as we come into this place, many of us are confused on what our burdens and what our natural responsibilities. So I, pray, I pray that you would make that clear. God, but we are acutely aware that over this season, many of us have been seeking to shoulder the burden of an extraordinary weight well beyond our capacity to do so. And we feel its crushing weight coming down upon us. So God, I pray that for those that that is their story, that that is their experience as of late. God, that they would feel themselves uplifted and encouraged. That they would recognize the insanity of trying to shoulder an extraordinary burden on their own. And the freedom and release they get from your word to them. God, I pray that many of us today would find a freedom and a release from the burdens of life. That we are thankful that your son has set us free from the burden of sin. That Jesus died. That he took upon himself the burden of sin and death. And he has made a way for us to draw close to you through his sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. So God, we want to worship and glorify him in this time. We want to submit our lives to him. We want him to get all glory and honor as we consider these things before us. 
God, that your spirit would dwell richly in this place, would stir in our hearts and in our lives to bring us into full submission to you in all things. In Christ's name, amen. Some years ago, Valerie and I were headed to a doctor's appointment, and it was not long after our eldest had been born, and we needed a car that was a little bit larger, and so we borrowed one from our office uh, in Prague, and so we loaded up the things in the car. Valerie ran upstairs to go get something out of the apartment, presumably the baby, and so she brings him down, and when she brings him down, she gets into the car. I say, I think there may be a problem. She said, what's the problem? I was like, I don't know if I can get out of this parking spot. It doesn't look like much of an incline, but with the ice, I don't know if I can get out of it. Just let me try. And so I put it in reverse, popped the clutch a few times just for, just for effect, and the tires just spin. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, no big deal. I'm just going to do it a little bit more and just going to rock it a little bit. I'm going to see what happens. But let me just explain something to you. If you put ice on top of cobblestones, ain't nothing moving. It doesn't matter how minute the grade is you have found yourself in an impossible situation and 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 so and that's what we found we found ourselves in a situation where there was this burden that she and I were soon to find out we could not handle on their own on our own so what I told her I said come around get in the driver's seat this is what I want you to do I want you to just just keep your foot just a little bit on the gas and I just want you to work the clutch and I'm going to get in front of the car and I'm just going to push the grade's not very great And so I'm doing this, and the car is like three inches this way, four inches back this way, three inches this way, five inches back this way, and then we're slamming into the curb. And I'm like, (laughs) those jazzercise videos are not working. And so I go around, and I recognize it's going to take something beyond me because this is no ordinary load. This is an extraordinary burden. And so I began to to go around to people, and the first thing I learned to say uh, when we moved to the Czech Republic was, in flawless Czech, was this phrase, do you speak English? It's the most important phrase you'll ever want to know traveling in any country. Because everything else that you might ask them is going to require a set of vocabulary well above your level of anticipation. Even this question, which is also important, where is the bathroom? If you don't know left from right and around the corner, friend, you're never going to find it. Do you speak English is the first phrase you should learn in any language of a country you might happen to be finding yourself. So none of the people I found spoke English, so that was fun. And so I began to walk to them and just say things like this, car no move, ice, need you, strong. (laughs) I didn't know how to put any of these things together in a sentence. I knew enough vocabulary to use words like ice, strong, car, and I didn't even know the word for stuck, and I knew the word for help, which was pomotes, and and, and I knew how to cry on command, and so I have all of these things, have all of these things working for me, so I have a series of three or four Czech men uh, in front of this car, Valerie's in there, I mean, she's getting ready just to, you know, know, she's, she's just primed and ready and frustrated, but you know, nevertheless, and so she's in there, and she's got that, and me and all my new best friends, we're pushing this car, and you can just feel a strain, and strain, and strain, and all of a sudden, the car begins to move, and it's coming up the hill, and she's on to the dry ground, and they all cry out, yay, they're not very expressive people, it was honestly a lot more anticlimactic than I thought it was going to be, 
I thought there'd be high fives and hugs, and they just quietly went about their business. But I got in the car, and I said, man, I'm so thankful those guys were here, and they took pity on me. And they probably thought I was half deranged saying things like, car, ice, help, need, me, you, push. Nevertheless, what we see in this passage, what Paul gives us here, is an instruction to shoulder the ordinary burdens of our life and to be ready to help others with the extraordinary burdens of theirs. Paul gives us the instructions to shoulder our ordinary burdens and to help others with their extraordinary burdens of their lives. Look at how he begins. Justin took you last week through 6.1, the instruction to help anyone who's in a transgression to restore them in a spirit of gentleness and then to look out unless you be tempted essentially to enter into their same level of sinfulness. And so here he moves into this, this understanding and he says, bear one another's burdens. Now the interesting thing in this, as he used the, uses the words burden in verse 2 and load in verse 5, is burden pictures a, a, a boulder, something that you do not have the capacity to shoulder on your own. doesn't matter how strong you are. doesn't matter how, how, how uh, seasoned you are. These things are designed for you to be unable to take care of, to carry on your own, these burdens. And then in 5, he uses the word load, which conveys the idea of a knapsack. These are ordinary, normal things that going through the course of your life that you are expected to carry on your own. But here's not what he's talking about. He's talking about burdens. And I'll tell you that, that it is my temptation, it is my proclivity, my givenness to encounter different things, whoop, and encounter different things in my life and to look at them and to say, this is an ordinary load. This is something ordinary. This is something that I can carry on my own. This is something I can do on my own. This is something I can encounter on my own. And, and so occasionally, I'll be going along and I'm doing these things. And essentially, if you want to picture in your mind that I'm gathering around this massive boulder of an issue. And I'm going around and I'm trying to find the light side of the boulder. I'm trying to find the light side of the burden. And what God is working to give me is a heavenly hernia to expose the fact that this isn't something I can carry on my own. This isn't something I can shoulder on my own. And so these are things that, that God brings along our lives so that we find friends, we have mentors, we have others who come into our lives to help us. So in my case, I have elders, I have other friends, I have other pastors I can go to. And so this is going to look different in your life. If you are a student, if, if you live at home, this may, sound, this may sound different to you. It may sound difficult for you to imagine, but God has given you your parents to help you shoulder extraordinary burdens in your life. This is one of the very reasons they're there. One of the reasons they're there is to point out to you the difference between those things which are ordinary, waking up on your own, those things that are ordinary, doing your homework, those things that are ordinary, telling the truth and coming home on time, and those things that are extraordinary how to tell the difference and how to process them because they want you to be a person who is well-adjusted. They want you to be a person who knows what it is to recognize their own responsibility and to recognize their own finiteness. And it's so incredibly important that we recognize the distinction between those two. I, think, I can think about just within the context of our church family this week that we have had 
two of our members lose their fathers this week. We have two of our members who their dads had passed away this week. We have another member whose mother was taken off life support this week. Y'all, those are extraordinary burdens that they're not meant to bear on their own. There's this crushing weight of losing someone close to you that just speaks to our soul and exposes our inability to handle these things on our own. And so it's incumbent upon us, it's sensitive for us, it is loving for us if we come alongside them and we say, listen, I can't take away your heartache. I can't take away your loss. I can remind you of God and his compassion for those who are experiencing loss. I can remind you that God himself experienced loss through Jesus. When Jesus' friend Lazarus died, Jesus wept. I recognize that you may not have the mental faculty, you may not have the processing ability in this time to cook for yourself, provide for yourself, care for yourself, feed a dog, water your plants, or do whatever that is. So why don't you let me take that on? So we find ourselves and we recognize, I can't get rid of their burden, but I can address things in their lives that they are not able to care for right now. But Carolyn spoke this last Tuesday And she was talking about counseling and the benefit of counseling and and why it's so incredibly helpful. One of the things she observed in the middle of that is if you struggle with sadness, the the, the quarantine and COVID-19 and all the things that we've experienced for the last year and a half or so, they have exacerbated those difficulties. Your tendency to do whatever has been magnified in this time. So what many of us have experienced and what we found is that there are, within the ordinariness of life, There's job, there's financial pressure, there's relational stress. But what's happened in this time is those things have begun to be more acute. Those things have grown in their severity. Because we've not known how to handle this other alien stress in our lives. So those things which are ordinary, normal loads in our lives have become burdens. Now listen, you will be stuck. Struggling with the difficult burdens of your life, death of family, tragedy, crisis, if you don't let your burden be known. This is just how we operate. So if you can't find people around you that you trust, you trust to care for you, you trust to to keep safe and secure information that you consider private or secret, and to go to them and to say, Uh, Hey, would you take on helping me with this burden? You're likely not going to receive help. You're likely not going to have somebody come and invest themselves in your life and say something like, I see you struggling. I see you don't seem to be doing well. And so what it requires of us is humility to go and to communicate with others about our needs. Listen, this may be an ordinary load for you, and it is for me a lot of times, but right now, this is so incredibly burdensome. Can you help me carry it? It's going to require humility. It's going to require a sense of, of honest evaluation. Can you carry this burden? But look at what Paul ties it to. He says, when we find ourselves looking around and saying, okay, I see, I see this crisis going on here, I see this burden over here, I see this thing, and, 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 and I'm moving to address it. I'm fulfilling the law of Christ. Look back at Galatians 5 and verse 14. 
Paul wrote, he says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It requires that we desire to invest ourselves in the lives of the people around us. It requires that we want to be invested in their lives. And some of the people that you will seek to invest yourself in, the, in, in their lives, you don't know that they already have people. Or you don't know that maybe they just don't care for you to have access to this information in their life. But what it asks us to have is a heart that longs to meet the needs that we see around us. A heart that longs to see and meet the needs of the people around us. Now this is going to result in a, in a couple of different responses. Some of us are going to see ourselves moving and seeking to address because that's just who we are. But some of us are going to see the needs of the, the people around us, the burdens that they're struggling with. Maybe they're even going to come to us and say, I've got this significant burden, can you help? But what it's going to create in us is not a sense of, yes, I want to move to help you, but a sense of, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's his need. Oh my, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that is her need. That is so pathetic. Look at what he says. Anyone who thinks he is something when he is nothing deceives himself. The text actually says anyone thinking that he is something while being nothing. It requires humility on the part of the one hearing and recognizing the burden. It requires humility on the part of the one hearing and recognizing the burden. That if they don't look around at the burdens of the people around them and say, oh my goodness, can you believe this is the burden they think they're bearing? Look at what I'm going through. I've lost, they lost their mom. I lost my mom, my dad, my aunt. I killed two or three people just to have a higher number of listed people. I'd be missing. I know what it is to suffer loss. They don't even begin to understand what it looks like to suffer loss. I got a job just so I could lose it. It was all about getting money from the federal government, but nevertheless, there's this propensity towards arrogance in us when we look at the problems that certain people have and to say, I'm so glad that's not my problem. And it builds in us this sense of spiritual elitism. To say, if they were just spiritual like me, if they were just close to Jesus like me, they wouldn't have these struggles. So what they really need is to sit and struggle in this burden so that they might grow closer to Jesus. No. These burdens are designed in such a way is that you cannot carry them alone. You cannot carry them in isolation. It's impossible. You cannot carry them alone and to think that someone else's burden is trivial and small is to fail to realize that God has entrusted them with his grace for that burden. Just as God is preparing burdens for you that will require an extra measure of grace as well. We should not be evaluating our difficulties according to how others are doing. And that's exactly what Paul goes on to say. Look at verse 4. He says, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Essentially, it's this idea that I look at how everybody else is doing, and I say, man, 
I'm doing so well. There was this uh, test in life the other day, and I got a 97 and an S in conduct. I'm doing so well in life because I know this person over here, they got an 87 in life and an N in conduct for nincompoop. And, and, and they're just failing at every aspect of their life and of their work. Woo! I love having friends like them because they make me feel so much, what's the word? Superior? Mm, I don't like that one. Let's just go with this one. It's softer, better about myself. So what's the instruction? What's the corrective? Paul uses this word here, test, which is the same word. It's the same word that he uses a couple of times in the book of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 28, when Paul's talking about taking the Lord's Supper, he says, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The Bible constantly calls for self-evaluation, self-introspection, coming before the Lord broken, Bible open, heart ready to receive from the Lord, saying, in what ways am I being faithful to you? In what ways am I, am, I, am I moving in resistance? In what ways am I keeping my heart segregated and cordoned off and not allowing you to move? What we are required to do is to test ourselves. What we're required to do is to test our own works, to submit them to the Lord and say, Lord, is this pleasing to you? Is my life response and the way I'm living pleasing to you? And God in his grace is always going to point out a couple of different things. In one sense, he's going to point out, you are pleasing to me in my son, Jesus Christ. The world always Im immediately moves to point out the ways we fail. God always moves immediately to point out how we succeed. And we always succeed in Christ. He says, you are fully measured and found filled in Jesus. Look at the point that he goes on to say here. He says, if, if we look at our lives and I say, man, I'm doing so well compared to this nincompoop over here. I'm doing so well compared to this person or that person or this person. I am finding my reason to boast in their failing. But according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 13 through 15, he says, each, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. So at some point when God comes back to judge humanity, the day of judgment will disclose it. It will reveal it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built and the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but as through fire. God's judgment is this winnowing fork of our work. And so you and I generally know we have some idea of the level of dedication and effort we submit to any work we find ourselves in. Whether you work at L3 or a college student, you're a high school student, you work at Chick-fil-A or wherever you work, you know how your level of dedication is when your boss isn't there. Are you coming in the office? Are you staying home? What does that look like? Where is your heart in this? And the same principle applies to our Heavenly Father. Our same principle applies to our Heavenly Father. What does it look like for us to work? Do we work with this understanding that, you know, God really has only six or seven things that he really cares about. So I just need to do well in those six or seven things. And he's going to be totally fine with me. 
And I can do whatever the heck I want to do with the rest of my day as long as I do well with these six or seven things and I just kind of find myself on this loop. He says the day will disclose. You need to test what kind of work. You need to know where your heart is at in responding to the Lord and responding to his command. Because there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when you answer for the effort, the energy, the time, the attitude you put into your work. And this is the picture that Paul wants to be true for all of us. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1.7. He said, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what we're all pushing for. We're not pushing to enter into the gates of heaven and have them throw open and the banner unfurls and it says, Matthew Beasley, C, life average student. But we're looking to see the banner unfurl and say, praise and glory and honor be to Jesus, another one saved by his grace. That's what we live for. That's why we engage in effort in our work. That's why we willingly lay down our lives and submit our hearts to the Lord because we want him to receive all praise and glory and honor. And to such is the faithfulness that he calls us. Let us consider what it looks like for each of us to carry our load. Look at verse five. Look at verse five. John Townsend, uh, who kind of famously wrote a book uh, Townsend and Cloud wrote a book called Boundaries that was really influential in helping people to set boundaries in families and relationships and a variety of other things. And they wrote a book on family patterns and, and how to discern them and how to establish them. And Townsend's going in and he's talking about this load, this, this knapsack, <clears throat> this thing that, that you just kind of strap on. And these are normal things that God has given to you for you to bear because they are ordinary to life. These are things that are your sole responsibility. Now within this, this is what Townsend has in mind. This is what he has in mind. He has in mind Ephesians 4.15. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, this is what we're supposed to do. We are to grow up. That's, that's a good one right there, but let's just keep going. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. One of the reasons that God has given you this load to carry, this difficulty to go through life with, to shoulder it on your own, is so that you might grow in Christian maturity. Now look at what some of the things that Townsend says are found to be in this knapsack, in this backpack that we carry through life. He says, our individual knapsacks, contain things like our attitudes, our opinions, our beliefs, needs, choices, feelings, values, time, possessions, money, gifts, talents, behaviors, and bodies. He goes on, he says, we are to set limits around these parts of our lives. And to protect and maintain them ourselves. It is our responsibility to care for them. Now Jesus uses this same word for load in Matthew eleven thirty. 30. 
when he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is, yeah, the burden is easy, the burden is light. These are the things we are meant to carry on our own blood. Now, some of us have the mistaken assumption that it is other people's responsibility to tend to our feelings. So when I'm sad, it's somebody else's primary responsibility to come and make me glad. If I'm too glad, it seems like many of you have taken on the primary responsibility of helping me to be found being sad. That's a whole separate sermon. When I don't engage in carrying that on my own, I don't grow in maturity. I don't grow in maturity. And when, if I see my children struggling to carry their load, if I see my family, my friends, if I see somebody that I care for struggling to carry their load, and my bend is to come over and to take them and say, let me carry your load for you. Let me shoulder it for you that I'm taking away God's ability to grow in them a dependence on his grace. And I'm taking away the opportunity for them to steward well the talents God has entrusted them. Matthew 25, I think it's 15 through 30. 14 through 30. Jesus has a story of, of these talents that have been entrusted to serve him. And we see over the course of this parable how they have handled them and how they have stewarded them. Your struggles in life, the ordinary load God has entrusted to you is in some sense the talent God has given you. How do you feel yourself weighing up underneath the burden of the ordinary struggle of life? It could be for some of us that you are so incredibly exhausted from trying to shoulder and trying to carry the extraordinary burdens of your life that the ordinary has become impossible. You've suffered the loss of family, of job, of prestige. You've suffered the loss of emotional well-being. And so right now, what you find yourself is that the ordinary and the mundane is is overwhelming. What you need to do is to recognize, you need to go back to this extraordinary burden and say, you are not my responsibility to care alone. God has not designed me to be able to carry this burden of the tragedy, of the crisis, of the heartbreak, and of the suffering I'm enduring. I need someone else's help. Because God has this load. He has this difficulty that is my responsibility and I cannot give it to someone else to carry. You see, what's required of us, what is needful for us is that we be a church of mature followers of Jesus who gladly shoulder the burden of our own load. All the while looking around, seeking to find someone who is taxed, and doubled over trying to carry their own burden and running to them and say, friend, would you let me carry this burden with you? Let me pray for us.
Father, we recognize that your word clearly communicates that the burden of sin is not something that we could carry on our own. That your son Jesus came and he died. That this burden might be removed from us. The stain of sin and guilt is taken from every believer. And what is required of us is a humble confession of our inability. I have sinned, I have transgressed, I have broken your character and your law. God, would you save me through the work of Jesus? And Jesus comes in and he takes that burden from us and we are saved through the power of his blood, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But God, you have entrusted to us other burdens in our life, allowed us to be stewards of incredible weight so that your church might be made whole, so that we might necessarily depend on one another more to show us our weakness and your strength so that we might operate as one body. So God, I pray that today that we would recognize the difference between a burden and a lift. Help us to set down and cease in our attempts to carry our burdens on our own. God, I pray that we would pick back up, that we would resume the primary responsibility of carrying those things that you have entrusted to us for our maturing, for our sanctification and our growth in you. God, you are good and you do good. Father, we submit these things to you in Christ's name. Amen.